Good to be back. What's going on, Andrew? Not much, Connor. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited. We're going to be doing uh, another movie review today. And we're finally out of the prequels. I know. So let's not waste any time. Uta puta, everybody. Hello, and welcome to Greedo Shot First. My name's Connor. I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even freaking related to Star Wars, where in fact, today, that saying has much more meaning than you would believe. Because we're talking about a certain movie called... Star Wars. That's right. It's called Star Wars. Uh, you know, we we could sit here all day and talk about the merits of A New Hope and Episode Four and all that kind of stuff. But let's just get right to it. This was the first one. It was. Have you noticed that, like in recent branding, Disney has started to use like the A-frame logo again, like the old school one? Uh-huh. Yeah. And but like they still, it does say like A New Hope underneath. But. Yeah. But beggars can't be choosers. Oh, I know. And I mean, especially like I feel like when uh, us as youngins first getting into this movie in general, we knew it as Star Wars, and then Empire Strikes Back, and then uh, Return of the Jedi. There yeah. was never any kind of episodes to begin with. No, that's entirely true. I mean, even though like, you know, we were both certainly born well after the conclusion of the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but I completely agree. I get, it was never a new hope to me until... I don't know. When there they was, started doing it, really. Yeah. I mean, there was some point where, and like I've, I've clearly, if you've listened to any of our recent episodes where we've done these film reviews. Yes. Um, but I used to just be like, you know, a massive like George Lucas stan, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just like, well, you know, if this is truly what his vision is, then we should respect that and acknowledge the the legitimacy of this. This is the way it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's the other thing we're going to have to take into account when we talk about this movie today is the fact that like, there was no plan to go any further than just this movie. No. I'm I mean, sure he would have liked it. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, but there I mean, reading up on some of the trivia ahead of doing this review, it was just like he fully believed that this movie was just going to be a huge commercial failure. Ugh. That he, you know he was going to basically have to start from scratch after this to try to rebuild his, uh, you know, his his stake in Hollywood, if right. you will. And I and it just turned into complete opposite, and now we're here writing, uh, you know. St- Starring or hosting, however you want to put it, in a Star Wars podcast. Yes. Uh, one of many, I know that. But, yes. you know, one of any, probably thousands. Probably thousands. But, I mean, in all fairness, if you guys are listening to us, we thank you. Yes. And uh, we're going to try and give you a, a, an honest-to-God little review. And I'm sure everyone's done their own little review of the movie. So, hopefully you like what we got to say. Now, first of all, let's uh, get into the synopsis, shall we? Do it. Okay. Uh, this is off of Google, so... Just uh, bear with me, gang. The Imperial forces, under orders from cruel Darth Vader, hold Princess Leia hostage in their efforts to quell the rebellion against the Galactic Empire. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, Captain the Millennium Falcon, work together with the companionable duo droids R2-D2 and C-3PO to rescue the beautiful princess, help the rebellion, uh, Rebel Alliance, and restore freedom and justice to the galaxy. And this movie was released uh, May 25th, 1977. That's right. And uh, you have the cast list there. Give us a little rundown who was sure. in this. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia Organa, Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin, Alec Guinness as... Ben slash Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Kenny Baker as R2-D2, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, David Prowse as the body of Darth Vader, James Earl Jones as the voice, voice of, of Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. And yeah. we'll, we'll cap it there. Because yeah. then it gets down to Uncle Owen, and I don't feel like he's really that important. No, no, no. <laughs> he's not around for too much long, and too long in the, uh, in the movie. So. Yeah, you could say that. And yeah. he's not Joel Edgerton. All right, so uh, I just got to say that, like, you know, it's, it's weird that a lot of people hold this up 
and uh, you know, as like one of the greatest movies of all time, because to me, it looks like it was filmed in the seventies. <laughs> well, and fun fact, it was filmed on nineteen fifties era's cameras. Really? Yes. Oh my god! And especially how like how clean it does look. Yes. You know, it's it's actually really impressive. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny. I don't know if it was like the first time that I actually watched it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, was literally the first time in in my thirty years, and the film has been out for over forty years now. Yes. Um, where I kind of looked at it and was like, there's just, there is a slight bit of agedness on this now, yeah. but it's the first time I've ever seen that. Well, that's just it. I think it's more of the focus than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, with the newer, you know, uh, generations of like, you know, just video at home and stuff like that. And like all the HD and everything like that, you could see the lines. You yeah. Can see the yeah, creases. Like the mat work and, and sort of like. The, the formation of the backgrounds is yes. just a little you can start to finally see like yeah that's where like clearly they actually like you know jam two pieces of paper together to, <laughs> to make the star field in the background or whatever and, the case may be it's amazing to think that like of all the sets that they built and everything to actually make this you know work like a lot of work went into just making this very practical yeah well a huge uh fact about this film i mean so it was I mean, it, they obviously made a lot of different sets for it. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of watch it closely, especially like a lot of the Death Star stuff, yes, it's all the same stuff just recycled over and over and They're over. They're running down the same corridors each time. Every time. Every time, <laughs> yeah. Well, so to that, uh-oh. Uh, hang on one second. <laughs> Bless I felt you. it coming. Yes. There was a disturbance in the force. The, yes. And the force was my nose. There has been an awakening. <laughs> Uh, Wrong movie. There's been a, a, a snakening. Anyways, uh, so I'm just going to start it off with this scene, and it's kind of like right in the middle. It's okay. the uh, the jailbreak. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, a, a pretty uh, prominent scene that we discuss pretty often. I think so. Like every episode. Every episode. That's what <laughs> I would say. Yeah. And I, I pointed this out to you know Eva because I was watching uh, bits and pieces to kind of get myself familiar, right? And one thing I noticed about this scene was the fact, like, they're like the, the scene itself is brilliant, right? Yes. All right, so just the whole breakout and everything like that, and even before that, when they're getting onto the elevator, they're not stormtroopers. Yes, anyone who knows stormtroopers can tell right away that these are not actual troopers. Because I mean, you see stormtroopers, they're stiff, they're you know, they're erect, they're at attention. Where Luke and like uh, Han, they're just like looking around, like looking up and down, like hopping on their feet and everything like i don't know why they didn't get spotted sooner right and then they get into the actual like elevator and at one point there was an officer who was going to come on and like the stormtrooper was like Mm-mm, no you don't want to yeah. get in here with full, them yeah full load <laughs> yeah it was really funny so it was like little details like that you never notice this kind of stuff uh-huh. bounce forward into uh you know the actual shootout and everything it goes to this point where uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, the 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 Wookiee escaped and the, they, they started to uh, take out all the security cameras. How many different kinds of security cameras do they need? <laughs> that is, I, I was hoping that that's where you were actually going with this. It's just right. like it's the sequence of them just shooting at like 17 different cameras. Like, right. It, it's not the same type of camera. No, like some of them have like, it's it's almost like a, a assembly of cameras like yeah. together like an eight pack yeah some of them are just straight up like lenses yeah it's just like glass block but then there's like the little lenses and then there's like there's some that are like have like a red color and others that are like blue in color like and, black to the wall like yeah little, like little ports or something <laughs> and so like part of me is thinking like all right at least some of them have to be like alarms or something yes right so like and like they have perfect day and they're able to get all these in a matter of seconds. Uh-huh. And then obviously it goes into the scene that we, uh, you know, you get your catchphrase from. Uh, you know, he has the boring conversation anyways. Yes. Uh, there's a point where he's looking up, like right before that, he's looking up the cell number for uh, for Leia. Did you mm-hmm. know the cell number? 1138? No. Well, they had a transfer from detention block cell 1138. The cell they're looking for that contains Leia is cell 2187. Okay. Did you know that? No. Really? No, I really didn't. I thought, I, you're right. Yeah. It's like... Uh, FN. Yeah, yeah, FN2187. <laughs> I just learned that today. Yeah, there's a number of Star Wars numbers, if you will. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, 1138 in particular. Yeah, 1138 is another one, and then you have... TK421. Well, TK421, um, but the docking bay that they get brought into is 327. 
Oh yeah, Docking Bay three two seven. Okay, which and three two seven appears in I believe all of the at least all of the originals and uh, prequels. I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, I know there's like like well one one three eight is the obvious one, uh-huh. and I know there's some other ones that kind of escape me. But like I, I the three two seven does escape me a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to remember like what the correlation is with that, but they do pop up all over the place. It's a regular recurring thing, mm-hmm. but. I just heard that, and I was like, hold on a second. I rewound it, and it was like, I heard them say 2187, and I was like, you know, did this thing Finn? in my brain. Yeah, yeah. that's Finn, <laughs> FN2187. So, I mean, I'm sure that was intentional to that end. Yes, surely. And it was just a cool little detail to kind of bring up. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to start with that. But yeah. we can back up, the, you know, just imagine yourself, you know, seeing this movie for the first time. And, like, there's so, there's so many different, like, little documentaries and, like, stories about when this movie really hit Hollywood, right? Yeah. There, um, well, this is going to air in a while from now, from when we're actually recording it. But yeah. one thing to note is Amazon, on Amazon Prime, they're currently, they currently have Empire of Dreams, Ooh. which is a documentary about the creation of the original trilogy. Ah, okay. And it's considered one of the better uh, documentaries out there about it i'll have to watch that you said yeah. it's on prime yeah okay i'll definitely watch it i hope you guys are able to watch it too because yes. i'm watching it today you <laughs> might be watching this a few weeks from now yeah <laughs> uh but anyways so well yeah to that end so like it's a, anyone sitting in the you know in the front row like the first thing they're ever going to see is descending into like from the stars onto like this random planet Yes. And then there's a little spaceship that comes by. It's getting shot at by a giant spaceship. And that's one of the most mesmerizing shots in all of Star Wars. Yeah. Now, we just got done, you know, doing our episode three review. And we, I think we both kind of agreed that, like, one of the best opening shots uh-huh. is in Revenge of the Sith. Right. With the, the battle over Coruscant. But, exactly. But, but like, the, you also can't, like... You can't beat this. Right. I mean, I certainly the first time I ever saw it, you know, and I, we certainly grew up in an era... A little bit removed from, uh, you know, the when this film actually came out. Yes. Um, you know, and it was like, holy cow! Like, how are they doing this? How are they producing this type of shot? And it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, it just looks out. Of, it, it just it, feels real as to, much yeah, as anything. Yeah, to say to be a pun, like you know, put the pun into it. It looks out of this world. Like, yes. <laughs> it's amazing that something like this can exist, and so you're immediately drawn into you know what they're going for. You know, it's like. It's space. It's action. You know, you're gonna. This is what you're into. And then the very next shot is of robots, like fully <laughs> yes. articulated robots yes. walking around. And it's not like I, I think I've brought this up before. It's not someone who's wrapped in tinfoil. Right. Like it. It's actually like encased in like solid gold or something yeah. like that. And a moving little trash can droid, which is insane. Yes. It's cool with a person in it. <laughs> with a person in it. Yeah, because they had to do that. Yeah, that was that was the advancements. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you look into that, and you look into like how the hallways set up, and like this was another thing that Eva brought up was the fact it's like I've never seen something so white as this hallway, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, that's just it. I think because of like you know being the seventies and what their depictions of futuristic you know settings would be, yes. it's it's white, it's pure, yeah. it's you know that's it's that's clean. it's clean, yes. But, although, but that's funny because then like pretty much the the next thing that we see. As once we land on Tatooine is is dirty. what I think is the ultimate like the ultimate visual language of Star Wars, which yes. is the used future. Yeah, it's like it's it's tan, it's mm-hmm. gritty. Yeah, you know, everyone's got a bit of, like bit of grease on them here and there, and all this kind of stuff. But that just adds to the motif, like you know, the Alderanian style mm-hmm. is just that. It's a royal consular ship or something like that. Right. So it's a cool dynamic, and uh, I mean, that just goes into you know all the different settings you do get out of this movie, mm-hmm. which are just stellar in their own right. Right. I mean, um, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, truly, every environment that we encounter, but I mean, from the Tantivivi. Tantive Ivy. Uh, yeah. Down to Tatooine, over to Mos Eisley, uh, you know, and then the Death Star and Yavin yeah. and everything. It's, All the settings. And the, and the Falcon. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, it, it's, it's incredible to think how many places you end up going in this. Yes. And it's not that big of a jumper. Like, I, I feel right. like the other movies do a good job of going from planet to planet to planet. But this one was just like one to a space station to another, and that was it. But I don't know. I mean, it's hard to kind of come back at it and go at it so, so much. And honestly, like with it being out as long as it has been, mm-hmm. there's so much that's put into the movie now more than anything else. Yeah. Like 
outside and inside of the movie. And like I, we always bring it up from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's fun to go back and watch this movie now, like having read the book mm. and knowing who these characters are, yeah. and just pointing them out. And I even said as much. It's like you see that stormtrooper on the left; he's got a story. You know, yeah. it's like stuff like that. You know, and he it's, freaking uh, loves dobacks. <laughs> <laughs> He just wants to get on the dewback. He, he has an unhealthy love of dewback riding. It's like maybe a Java juice while he's at it, but still, no. But there's that, and then like you know, all the stuff that happens in the cantina. Right. Um, the mouse droid has its own story. For yeah. goodness' sake, oh, it's like God. a heartbreaking story. That was a good story, right? <laughs> it was yeah. so good. MSC mouse droid. Okay. So, but yeah, so like you see all this stuff happen in real time after reading the story, and it's like, oh my God, like it's. Come on, please. You know, so I don't know. Let's just kind of dive back. You know, where would you like to set off? Is there any moments that kind of stand out for you in the way of like acclaim and stuff that really like, you know, it draws you in, you have to watch it? Well, I mean, I think as much as anything, I'm always interested in some of the stuff that we maybe don't see, mm-hmm. um, which would be uh, some of the cutscenes from the start of the film involving Ooh. Luke quote, wormy, quote, Skywalker yes. and his friends, Biggs and Tank and Cammy and Deke. And there's one other one. But they're at Tashi Station. Yes, they're actually at Tashi Station in Anchorhead. And this was after uh, Luke would have seen the fight in the sky. Yes. So like there is a cut scene where he actually takes out his, like, his uh, binoculars and he's able to see... Like starships fighting up, you know, in atmosphere. Yeah. Well, we still basically get that view, like the first time we see him, like he's holding the binoculars. Yeah. But they don't really establish that he's clearly looking at like the battle going on overhead between the Tantive IV and the and the Star Destroyer. <laughs> I love that you call it that, the Tantive IV. It's what it's called. I guess it is. I just like everyone just calls it the Tantive Four or whatever, you know. And I was even saying as much, or if you know, go back to our last episode, I was saying that. Eva calls it the the space tractor. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, it's the space tractor. So, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean that's true. I because I always say the same thing about uh, the cutscenes near the end with Biggs. Mm-hmm. Like Biggs is one of those characters that like if they would have kept him in there more, you know, it would have had that much more impact. Because as far as you knew, the only like real ties Luke had were his his you know his aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the movie, you're like, there's this moment where like. You know, it's like Biggs is talking to Luke like they're old friends, and you don't know why, right? Until well, you watch the deleted scene. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things that that I always feel mixed emotions about. I mean, you know, we can kind of talk about the original cut versus like the uh, like the special edition version, which is the one that features the the conversation with uh, uh, Biggs and yes. Luke. And you know, I appreciate that they include Biggs in that. Um, I like getting a little bit more from him. Yeah. But it's also true that it just feels so weird because we don't know anything about him Prior. to this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of just sets him up as like an obvious like storytelling trope where like, okay, this guy who's like, oh, we'll catch up afterwards, Luke. Don't you worry. Yeah, we, got we got lots years. of time. Yeah, it's years, man. It's, which clearly if you didn't already, you know, know that Biggs is going <laughs> to die. So he just set himself up. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it maybe like that still strengthens like his death. Yeah. In the you know in the uh, Death Star battle, but at the same time, it's kind of like yeah, it would be even cooler if like you actually got to see that friendship dynamic from the start, and then you have like this long through line to the end, basically. Yeah. You just made me think of this. Um, have you ever heard of Hot Shots? Uh, like, like the the movie. Uh, yes. It's with uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh-huh. So it's like a parody movie, right? Uh-huh. It's parody on Top Gun. Yes. And there is a great moment where they do that thing where it's like, oh, we have plenty of time, right? Uh, it's this guy. He's called. He's, his name is like Lucky Mike or something like that. <laughs> but he obviously, he's like very yeah. unlucky. And he's getting into the and he's getting into the play, and all this stuff's happening to him. It's like, oh, Mike! All of a sudden, his wife comes out into the tarmac. He's like, don't forget your lucky handkerchief. He's like, oh yeah, I can never fly without that. And he's like, oh, and honey, the uh, you know the life insurance thing came in. You just needs to sign it. And he's like, ah, oh, okay, ah, the pen's not working. I'll just sign it later. <laughs> and stuff like that. He's like, by the way, I think I finally discovered the cure for cancer. I had it right here with me. It's not leaving. 
to my side. Yeah. It's like all this stuff, and it's just like Lucky Mike. You know, right. it's, it's all going to happen. So that's that's Biggs to me. He's Lucky Mike. Yeah, <laughs> or Lucky Dave, or whatever the heck his name was. But that's just it. Like Biggs has a good story, and getting into from a certain point of view, it's explored that much more in it. Uh-huh. And I enjoy that fact because it's like you do get that emotion, like when it's just him out there and he's doing anything he can to protect the farm boy and all that kind of stuff. So it right. sets it up. But, I mean, getting back to, like, kind of the root of how we started this, you know, Lucas just didn't think that this movie was going to go anywhere. Right. And And there's there's lots of conversations between, uh, like, him and, you know, so his, like, his film school buddies, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like him and Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola Coppola and Brian De Palma and, like, you know, like, he basically shows it to all of these guys and only Spielberg is like, yeah, this is good. It's pretty good. Every, and like everybody else, like Coppola is like, well, this is stupid. Like, Doesn't it's, make any sense. It's derivative, yeah. yeah. And, and and De Palma is also, you know, like he he releases Carrie the same year that uh, 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 that this comes out. <laughs> and yeah, and then you also have Jaws too, I guess. But like right. they were, that's, well, yeah. I mean, Jaws had already come out. Um, that's right. It blew it out of the water. Yes. Yeah. Put a uh, pun on it. Yeah. In, in fact, the rumor is that. Uh, in order to like Lucas was like, yeah, this is going to fail. And like, I'm going to be taken back to square one. So he and Spielberg go to Hawaii before the premiere, uh, just like so that he can get away and be away whenever it flops. Yeah. And, uh, while they're there, they write Indiana Jones and, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's close enough. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why I called it that, but, um, it's good. It's called. That's all. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, and then he comes back and, and it goes from originally the film releases on like 40 screens in the country mm-hmm. and then he comes back and it's like, oh yeah, we increased it to 2000. Cause it's just the demand is <laughs> yeah. crazy. And it stayed in theaters for a long time. Yeah. I mean for years, literally. And then they re-released it before Empire came out. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the special editions in 97 and then further tweaks made in 2004 <sighs> for the DVD release. Incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, and like I said, it still got, it still holds it's, up to this day. Yeah, and it's the, you know arguably the most, still one of the very most indelible, uh, you know, pop culture phenomenons of all time. So with all that going on and everything like that, the uncertainty, the you know unsureness that like he showed and all this kind of stuff, it kind of comes over in the story itself, mm-hmm. and that could be problematic for uh, people like you and me and other fans of the lore and the history and all this kind of stuff because like you have to make what he wrote in the first movie work. Yes. Because, <laughs> I mean, anytime someone asks you, do you like Star Wars? And you say, which one? Mm-hmm. You don't say Star Wars. Right. You don't mean A New Hope. It's Now it's become a synonymous that, like, this is all Star Wars, but, like, this was yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, now there's ten movies, like, live-action movies plus Clone Wars, and that's and not even including the TV movies yes. and the holiday special. And, all this stuff. And all of the TV shows. But it all starts, yeah. In the it, video games, <laughs> in the comics, okay. in the toys. In the novels. <laughs> but that's what I'm getting at. Like I said, it doesn't, nothing comes out of this unless it's a hit, right? And all right. this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But, the story itself had to work, and like it's, it's you can kind of see all the cracks and everything. Especially like I said, when you look into the history of it, it's like okay, well, obviously he wasn't thinking this far ahead, and a lot of it goes into just the character development. And, you know, we, we, I think the perfect like the, the original intention, and especially the way it's written in novels after the fact, it was that Luke and Leia were supposed to be an item. Not right. brother and sister. <laughs> yes, and it makes it that much more awkward. Well, it does. And I mean, so, it's and. and <laughs> Well, it's funny. One of the things that I had read that I really didn't necessarily know is that for a long time, uh, Lucas really actually considered recast. Like, you know, so it, it's funny to read the backstory of how the characters got to where they are. Right. And like, I think if any of these things aren't what they are, it's not a hit. No, it's uh, true. Well, but, I mean, like for starters, Luke. Like, his character wasn't even supposed to be a young farm boy. He was supposed to be, like, a seasoned vet. Yeah, he was going to be, like... He was almost going to be the Obi-Wan, if you will. Yeah. Like, a 60-year-old military veteran. Of the Clone uh, Wars. Yeah, of the Clone Wars. And a general at that. Like, yeah. That was part of it. Um, and But there was also talk of recasting Luke as a woman. Yes. Uh, which would have been... I mean, can you imagine how progressive that would have been? In this... Yeah, in <laughs> like the 70s. Like, in the 70s. Oh, my God. Um... 
and then and like like Han was going to be an alien. Oh uh, yeah. At one point, it was supposed um, to be a combination of him and Chewbacca. Well, actually, no, it's more of like a lizardy. Yes, he was going like, to have like green reptilian skin. skin yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there was there was talk of making uh, making Obi Wan like Japanese because obviously one of the major influences for Lucas is uh, Kurosawa in Japanese yeah, samurai type of films. Yes, The Hidden Fortress. Yes, uh, in specific, which is actually referenced in Star Wars. Oh yeah, uh, that's what Hidden Fortress on the Forbidden Moon or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yes, on the fourth moon of the Atom system. system. I don't know. So, yeah, you could see there's a lot of... I mean, there's just a lot of depth to it. Yeah. And I don't know. I, uh, so getting there is obviously very different, uh, difficult. I actually... One thing, just a, a real brief tangent. Um, <laughs> I, I was at Barnes & Noble, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, and they were, like, running this promotion on some of, like, their books. Mm-hmm. Uh, just different titles that have either gone into public domain or, like, the publishing rights aren't exclusive anymore. So I got the Star Wars trilogy, Ooh. and I I haven't started reading it yet, but I'm really excited to, as you say, like actually see all of those weird inconsistencies that have just kind of been phased out over time or written out at yeah. this point. Because yeah. I mean, that's just it, like explained away, in yes, one form or another. Well, and I always say the same thing about like you know with the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. Like, if people are looking for problems in those movies and everything like that, it's always like, well, how come they didn't do this or do that? And like it. More or less, more often than not, it is explained. Yeah, you know. So I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about it because that that would be good. That would be good to you know. Yeah. Just catch up on myself, but I don't know. And uh, and to catch on to everything else and all the other little you know nuances and stuff like that. Like I said, everyone's got their own story now. Mm-hmm. This this movie this movie was the definition of everyone getting their own story and whatnot. Right, and so. but I mean that actually is a kind of nice segue into the fact that what makes this film so classic and so timeless, and and I don't think it will ever change, is the fact that it is actually just the monomyth brought to life. Uh, the-, the Joseph Campbell hero <laughs> with a thousand faces. Okay. Um, story if you will where basically you know it is a hero receives the call and Mm -hmm. he rejects the call and then he is circumstances change and so he has no choice but to accept the call Mm. like his free will is taken from him and then he becomes a hero and is triumphant and defeats the ultimate evil and it's all very black and white and you know there's not a lot of shades of gray i mean obviously you could argue that one of the permutations that star wars does implement is in the form of han solo who is certainly a little bit of a ne'er-do-well wild wild card uh, yeah exactly and and that's something that we see replicated again and again in the story with you know with lando as well and Mm. and i think that's something that the disney sequel trilogy has tried to implement um between like Finn, arguably, who kind of has sort of mixed emotions or, or that sense of cravenness that he experiences, and then obviously DJ as well. Yes. And, and finally, like DJ actually kind of turns the tides, and you think that he could be one of these kind of morally gray, but ultimately does the right things characters, goes, but nope. he actually doesn't. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that just adds to his character and the unexpectedness that you. Like kind of come to understand in these movies, it's just like the double crosses never work out the way you think they're going to work out. Yes, or something like that. Yeah, but <clears throat> I mean, it, it just adds to the motif of these characters that much more. I mean, there's other times where people are pointing out this movie is like copycats of a lot of things, like especially the final battle, like the Death Star run and stuff like that. It, there is a side by side comparison of like the X wings going at the trench run mm-hmm. uh, to this old World War Two movie. I can't remember the name of, but they, it's the operation where they're actually using these bombs or like bouncing bombs. They would bounce on the top of a, a lake or a river or something like that, and eventually they would smack into a dam. Mm-hmm. So it was that same idea that they would go in. And there's even one point where they almost say verbatim, like, you know, it didn't hit; it just impacted on the surface and like. It was just the bomb, like didn't hit the wall. It just impacted on the surface in front of it. Yeah. The, so. Yes. Um, well, that was one of. I mean, that was one of Lucas's like crowning achievements, as much as anything. Like when he was at USC Film School, mm-hmm. was his work with cutting to like c- 
creating a narrative out of like World, World War Two footage, yeah, and and kind of telling this cohesive story, Which, and and the movies that you're kind of referencing, like Battle of Britain, mm-hmm. uh, Thunderbirds is another one. It might have been one of those. Two. Yeah, I think it's Thunderbirds, especially that is often cited as like, yeah, like he he actually just kind of like took that part of that film mm-hmm. and just like gave it to his team at ILM and said, I want you to make this. But with these things. Yeah. We almost <laughs> do it like shot for shot. Yeah. To make it work out. But, I mean, it, it really does stand the test of time and everything. Absolutely. And especially, like, to get with people who, you know, maybe, like, you know, they're veterans of, you know, some conflict and they have their call signs and stuff like that. They can see that, like, this is just, like, another military kind of deal. Like, I can get behind this person. Like, their call signs are similar to ours. And there was a point where I remember I was watching... Um, Oh, what the heck was it? I watched it with my mom. We went and saw that Pearl Harbor movie, uh-huh. right? And there was a point where they were fighting, you know, the Germans over in England or whatever. And like the the the, the British pilots, they were Red One, Red Two. And I was like, why is that so? You know, it's yeah. like, whoa, they're Star Wars fans, but this is World War Two. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And then you read more into it later yeah. on because I was young at the time. I didn't really didn't, catch yeah, on didn't to it. understand it. But now it makes perfect sense. And, you know, everyone had their call signs and especially with like, you know, the first movie and his love of like bringing that stuff together, it really does kind of come full circle. It's yeah. interesting that way. And, and sticking with that kind of theme, I mean, the insane part about, you know, filmmaking in the 70s is like all of, like there is one X-Wing cockpit Mm-hmm. Uh, that all like all of the different pilots that Luke and Wedge and Biggs and Red Leader and Porkins they all had to share. It. They all had to share, and like they would just hop in and literally just say some words. Yes, check well, your six. Yeah, and, like just they had to act like they, you know, they were in yeah. the sky and like just say these random things. Like they would read them off to him and say uh-huh. this, say that. And it was because there's deleted scenes from uh, Return of the Jedi of the uh-huh. same thing. Yes. Like there was going to be actual like uh, Mon Calamari pilots mm-hmm. and they cut that whole thing out and like female pilots <laughs> but, and stuff yeah. too. Well, the, yeah, the, the one female pilot that you can see in Return of the Jedi, she's an A-wing pilot, uh, but then they dubbed her voice. Really? And it's dubbed by a man. Yeah. Oh my God. But you can pretty clearly tell, like I, I think she actually kind of has like a little bit of an Asian like kind of complexion uh no way yeah the y-wing pilot uh, well i thought she was an a-wing but maybe not i'm Is not it sure have, all right well we can cover we'll, this later. we'll cover that later <laughs> we got time okay um but, yeah but that was that was true. In fact, actually, dubbing is another interesting topic. Yes. Well, yeah, so getting into like Darth Vader's voice mm-hmm. in particular, uh, the, the, I mean, there's there, there's clips online if you uh, go and look for them of David Prowse doing the original, uh, <laughs> you know, I want them found alive and stuff like that. And it just doesn't come off right. No, he, I mean, so he is Scottish, which whatever, but like despite his like size and imposing physique mm. he has this kind of really weird like high, yeah it's like high pitched and reedy and it just doesn't sound right at all it makes no sense um, which is funny because you know certain characters are uh, well so like wedge for example like Dennis Lawson he appears in this film but he's dubbed yes oh uh, uh, yeah <laughs> and then you also obviously have the whole controversy with fake wedge sitting next to luke during the briefing yes um and i believe he's actually dubbed by somebody different in empire during the uh snowspeeder battle he is and then finally in return of the jedi like the three lines that he have has are his own well that's just it it's so weird and like he's one of these characters who just kind of sticks with you through the whole series yeah. that he's such a secondary character he has his own like he has like status, much like Boba Fett in a yeah. way, of, like being yeah. that like that poster boy. I mean, he's kind of like the slow burn version of Boba Fett, right? Yeah, and I think like, it, like you know, after the first one, you're probably not like, oh wow, that other pilot was so cool. Wedge, yeah. what was his name? Something. Uh, <laughs> Rogue Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's like uh, it's just it's so cool, and well done, but like I remember thinking like, is that even the same actor? Like especially between like Empire and Return of the Jedi. Because he sounds young, it makes sense. He mm-hmm. sounds young in you know the first one, mm-hmm. and then Empire comes around. And he sounds like he just doesn't seem like the same person. That's honestly, I was just like, okay, they're just calling this guy Wedge, uh-huh. but then somehow they were able to get him back 
for Return of the Jedi. He's yeah. just like more grown yeah. up. I mean, he phys- yeah. I mean, <coughs> Dennis Lawson physically appears in all three films, but he only actually provides his own voice in one of them. Yeah, but you also got to love the fact that Mark Thompson, when he does Wedge in the books, he does it as the uh, New Hope Wedge. Okay, so it's a young brash uh-huh. Wedge. Yes. That's his motif. That's fair. I, I can believe that, like, listening to the Aftermath books, etc. Uh, mm. But beyond that, uh, in terms of other dubbed voices, so originally they were going to dub, uh, well, both C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. They were going to make R2 speak in basic. Oh, my God. And that, like, he would just be, like, he would basically be, like, a a sailor with his vocabulary, <laughs> if you will. Sassafras. Yeah. So I'm saying something Yeah, bad. like, because that's something that 3PO often points out. is like, how rude, or like, you know. Watch, watch your language. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Sacred Island. Yeah. Sorry, that's but then, <laughs> But then Ben Burt got involved, and they're like, oh, no, that's better. Let's let's just Which do it, that. Which, it totally works for yeah. his character. It well, makes, and that's, like, yeah, and that's something that Anthony Daniels, Golden Tony, Will, will tell you is that he's not just playing C-3PO. He is also playing R2 because of like his reaction to what R2 is saying. Yeah, so it's, he's as much his character as anything else. Yeah. Uh, and originally they weren't going to have Tony Daniels do the voice for C-3PO. They, he was only going to be in the costume. But I feel like that was one that they certainly got right as well. You know, yeah. that they, well, like it, Some of the dubbing is like, okay, why did you dub that? I mean, that's actually a bit of a controversy is that they just lost a lot of the on-set sound. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they filmed it in the UK and in Venezuela and in... Uh, was it... Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then uh, Tunisia for all the Tatooine stuff. And But then, obviously, like, Lucas took it back to his home in San Francisco to actually assemble it. And a lot of the audio was just, like, ruined. Oh, my God. So... Uh, they had to redub most of it. So one of the people that actually does a lot of the voices for the Imperials is Harry Shearer. No way. Yes. I have to pay attention next <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> I can actually believe that. Yeah. And Honestly. for anybody that doesn't know, Harry Shearer is one of the, he's one of the major voices behind the Simpsons. Oh yes. Uh, uh, and also this is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, best in show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he shows up all over the place. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. He's done a lot of comedic stuff. He was just working as like, a disc jockey in Northern California at the time and responded to like a, a call for voice talent needed. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I mean, that's, that's a perfect little like, you know, two hour gig or something. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool, man. I can dig it. Um, so, uh, let, let me ask you this. So we'll kind of, kind of round it about, you know, I feel like we're, we're catching up on ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone knows the story in and out, you know, but is there a scene in particular that uh, you know you'll it will always resonate with you that other people wouldn't typically pick? Like, is there something that kind of sticks out for you? Well, I I mean, in terms of like that people wouldn't pick, I'm not so sure. I mean, I think it's either like the Death Star trench run. Mm. Or the trash compactor scene. Yeah. Like, I think those are probably my two favorite moments. Honestly, yeah. Because you think about it, there's a lot of drama for both sides. Uh-huh. You honestly think that something bad's going to happen. Yeah. That's a good scene. That's good. It's, good. it's a good pick. I suspect I know what you're going to pick, and it's also a good one. That probably is a little bit more under the radar. What do you think I was going to pick? I think you're going to pick the escape from the Death Star. Ooh. Well, I mean, close enough. I think... <laughs> All right, yeah. I'll just well, say like the, the Falcons escape from the Death Star. Yeah, but I, in all honesty, I would say like everything leading up to it, like the fight between, uh, you know, Darth and uh, Ben uh-huh. and everything. But basically, just the fact Where ben that like refers to him as Darth, yeah, because clearly, it, you know, that wasn't a title back then. It was like his name. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> only a member fool, Darth. That is weird. Yeah. God, that's weird. I don't know. It's just so, like, but that's just it. That's what I'm getting back at. It's like, there's so much they have to call themselves out for. Right. So it's just, oh, it's Well, so and it's weird. like, I don't know. I mean, if in terms of like the special edition and stuff, I mean, I know one of the examples that you gave before, and I know this is almost more like a Return of the Jedi type of scene that you're envisioning where like, in, like rather than just Boba Fett appearing during Jedi Rocks. Yeah. It's like, what if you actually gave him something to do at the start 
like in the very first scene bring or something. A, like bring a bounty back or something. Yeah, exactly. Like give him some action instead. Yeah. Um, but it's like there's so many choices in these special editions that are like, okay, why couldn't you have like erased R5-D4 from that one scene after he's clearly blown up yeah and r2's so like there okay. doing his little shimmy like hey look at me i'm an astromech too i'm okay yeah <laughs> well no so i mean i agree with that and I, and it just kind of goes into it so it's like there's this one point where after they get out of the trash compactor and like they're starting to run like they come across some guards and han for whatever reason is like i got this and just starts running after <laughs> yeah. him and, and he's like, wait, where are you going? And run. Yeah, and like they, they, like it's him and Chewie start going after him, and then Han turns the corner, doing his battle cry, and shoots one of the guards. Now, in the original version, there's about ten stormtroopers there, and that's if it. If that, like yeah. a handful, right? Yeah. And he takes. I out think they made twelve total sets of stormtrooper armor for the first film. That makes perfect sense because <laughs> I mean, you don't see that many on screen in the first place. Yeah, but that happens, and then all of a sudden, like. You know that he like sees that he's outnumbered and turns around and just keeps running. It's 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 humor. Uh-huh. It's hilarious, and he does the same thing in the special edition. He comes around the corner. Not only is it like a legion yeah. of freaking stormtroopers, but he's got Tie fighters and like space in the background. Like yeah. that was one of the cooler editions. But at the same time, it was just like, how did he not get gunned down like that? Right, he takes out one guy, and all of a sudden, like everyone, like there's it's wall to wall stormtroopers. Like he should have been dead just on pure like accident yes and so somehow he's able to make it happen but i don't know it was just a lot of silly stuff and then like the um the care like the, the the monster in the in the actual trash compactor was kind of out of nowhere yes the but dianoga the dianoga and, like, it almost doesn't make sense because this is a brand new facility right and that's what we're made to believe about it and on top of that like how does the dianoga survive the trash compactor it's like i guess you're gonna like, say that there's like a little cutaway for her to swim to or something like that yeah but otherwise it's like yeah it's just there's like a random tentacle in this trash hole <laughs> yeah they i recently came across it was some like monster magazine or something mm-hmm. uh just shared an image of like the original prop oh yeah uh, and it was like it was literally just the eye stock but it was like just the eye stock and then there was like separate completely detached tentacles that went along with it right and apparently uh, Lucas actually was not very impressed with like the output, like, uh, how it looked at the end. Um, but it's funny because it's like you look at this eye stock and it's like super creepy. It's creepy <laughs> and it adds to that like what's what's the rest of it look like? Mm-hmm. You know, because you just see that pop up from the water and go right back down. Yeah, there's got to be more. Yeah, you know, it's the iceberg theory. You know, there's more under the water than yeah, the areas than above. You can see, yeah, and so like. I know that, like, I know what you mean. It's just, like, you, you, you that's how you create, like, the terror. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he should have taken a page out of freaking Jaws because he's friends with the guy who made it. Yeah. You know, it just say, like, less is more. Yeah, show don't, t- yeah, show don't tell necessarily <laughs> or yeah. something. I guess that's not really an accurate parable here. But. And, like, one tentacle is enough. Like, you don't need to, like, collapse him, like, you know, and break his bones or anything uh-huh. like that. But I still just, like, just do it. Yeah, so I don't know, and I I was just curious. I didn't know if there was one that kind of stood out for you that weren't any too obvious ones, because I, I agree that my obvious one would be the Tie Fighter escape scene. Mm. You know, yeah. And uh, I mean, I think you know also, but this is fairly obvious. I mean, I guess this is the problem when you're just talking about again what I mean. I know by a lot of objective measures, it doesn't necessarily hold up quite as well in terms of like box office or no. different things like that, but. I mean, to me, it is like the original Star Wars is ultimately the most timeless, like pop culture phenomenon that we've ever dealt with. Yes. I mean, there's nothing else that pervades the same way 40 years later, uh, the way that Star Wars does. And you could watch this movie and just this movie and be satisfied. Well, that's yeah. I mean, this is something that we'll certainly get into this next time we're doing one of these mm-hmm. when we talk about Empire and. Uh, how you know? I think most most people from a critical perspective would say that Empire is the best Star Wars movie, and I'll agree with it. Um, but it's also the one that has no distinct beginning or ending. Empire, yeah, yeah, uh, because you know, basically, you have to have the prior knowledge of the events of Star Wars to understand going. why, like where it starts, and then obviously the ending is left open-ended because by that point, Lucas knew he was going to do another one. Take what I, what I brought up about, like, um, Thrawn Alliances. And that's not to say, like, oh, you know, they, they made this to obviously get the Jedi. It's like, 
it's a bridge. Yeah. You know, and it's it's up to you to test its weight and see what you think about it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's one of the best movies in the whole series, and like it holds up ultimately. Mm-hmm. But you know, it just it. It is always will and always will be like a sequel to you know one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, no, and, I, absolutely, and and I think that's why for most people it's like there's there's two like trains of thought. It's yeah. like either Star like I think most people will tell you either Star Wars is the best or, and I'll even go one step further and say or it's Empire or Jedi. Yeah, and it's you know and I think the common argument is like yes maybe there's more interesting things that happen in the latter two movies, but this is the one that without this, there's nothing else without this. Uh, you know, this is the only one that you truly can watch from beginning to end and you have a complete resolution, uh, in a complete story in one, one package deal, if you will. Uh, on a final thought notice, I'll ask you a few questions. Okay. And we'll round this out. My well, first- we need to talk about Greedo. Oh crap! I guess we do. <laughs> well, we'll make that our uh, our final thought. Then. Sure. Um, do you think Greedo didn't shoot? Did <laughs> indeed shoot first? Well, I really this like I read this and I read it again and again and I <laughs> searched outside of like IMDb or wherever I was researching. It's our namesake. Yeah. Uh, to to get confirmation on this because I actually hadn't heard this like I hadn't heard it discussed on other like uh, Star Wars like making of type of environments or anything right. like that but so the whole controversy around Greedo and who shot first is that it has almost nothing to do with Lucas's stated intention that well I made this change because that's the way I actually wanted it but we just didn't have the film to make it so the first time around and the way he wanted it just to specify was Greedo, that Greedo shoots first shoots first right okay just so everyone heard that Greedo no. shot first <laughs> um, check us out but so apparently what happens what actually happened is that when Lucas was assembling the 1997 special edition re-release mm-hmm. The Motion Picture Association told him, well, you know, you can't have your hero acting out in premeditated violence against this other character that, to this point, yes, he had threatened him, but he had not made any, you know, physical movement against him, if you will. So, for that reason is why uh, Lucas actually re-edited it. And there's actually two different edits of it, where the first one is... Like, Greedo actually shooting first. Hitting the high wall. Hitting the wall. Like, in, like, Han's head, like, does this weird thing where it moves. Like, tilts. Yeah. Like, he saw it coming, which is so insane. <laughs> which is stupid. Um, and then Han shoots him. And now, actually, if you do watch, like, the, the Blu-ray or the DVD release, it's pretty much a simultaneous shot. It's, like, one after the... Yeah, it's at the like same Gre- time. Yeah, like, Greedo's gun goes off, like, a moment beforehand, and then Han shoots. So... I mean, who knows how it really goes down at this point because it, it is getting changed so much. At yeah. one point, we, it's going to turn into a critical analysis. Yeah, and and like the whole thing is, so you know, back in 1977, the rating system was just like, I mean, I think it was actually basically just G and PG, mm-hmm. like general audiences or parental guidance is suggested. Yeah, um, you know, and since that point, we got. R-rated and PG-13 as well, which now obviously PG-13 is kind of the sweet spot for a lot of these kind of big action-adventure types of movies such as Star Wars, and that's what all of them since Revenge of the Sith have been PG-13. Yes. Um, But at the time, like, but back in 1997, Lucas wanted to keep that PG rating, so that's why he agreed to make the alteration. Just so so it didn't go NC-17, they didn't get too bloody. Yeah. It's too violent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's something to really like boil it down to and like think about. Because, I mean, in all honesty, like we start when we started with the name, you know, it was just like I don't know. It was kind of a silly choice, I guess. But at the same time, it's like it's it's believable. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'm not saying like oh, the, like we are high and mighty for choosing <laughs> this name for that reason or whatever. No, I mean, honestly, I would. I say it often, I think, that like I would love nothing else than to see that original screenplay and just see, like, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, just, just the explosion. Yeah. And then <laughs> and Greedo slumping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the mess. Clicks it off. So, yeah. I don't know. That's 
that's a good way to end it. And like that's that's honestly where I I I would uh, I would like to end it. I, like I said, I think everyone else knows pretty much what happens in the movie. You know all the famous lines. You know all the famous scenes and everything like that. So let's just kind of go off of this. At least for the prequels, I asked you for uh, you know your favorite sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I can continue with that, or I can ask you what your favorite. Actually, all right, we'll make this a specific one. What's your favorite side story to the character in from a certain point of view in this in this movie? Because obviously, we've been talking about the book. <laughs> Whose story is your favorite? If you had to pick right now, uh, I mean, honestly, I. Like the thing is, is like it's still like with a main character, basically. Yeah. So my answer is going to be the Master and Apprentice storyline with Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Okay, I could agree with that. Mine would be the Mouse one. Yeah, that's the fair. I mean, one. I love that one. It's great. It's so good. It, 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 essentially, it's just it's like the dialogue or like the um, the the log, uh-huh. if you will, of yeah. the MSC droid uh, working for TK four two one. Yeah. And like it's just so good. So yeah, TK four two one. Apparently a handsome little little dandy. Yeah, <laughs> he's beautiful. <laughs> and, and, and like it, I don't know, it, it, there's a whole lot to go into with that story. And like they, I I it, I don't know if it's like if you agree with it or not, but it's kind of led to believe that like the the dandy, if you will, the TK four two one has a an affair with a high ranking official. Yes. I uh, will who will remain nameless for right now. I, yeah. I, I want to save this for another day, but still like it's kinda it's kinda like fun. It's yeah. like uh, who's done it and also just like what happens. Yeah. You know. Well and it kinda I mean and it it actually takes you right up to like basically the end of the movie if you will which the, is cool the climax of the movie anyway and the MSE droid was out there still doing his thing the yeah, whole time yeah uh, but I do want to answer the sound effect question as well go ahead my favorite sound effect from a new well from Star Wars sorry we're not calling it a new hope today <laughs> um, is the sound of Aunt Beru's kitchen what yeah it's just like there's a little quiet whirring in the background. Ooh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and kinda... it's just like the, and I think it's like the first time that you really get a lot of that kind of sounds in terms of like space. Yeah, this is space. This is the future, sure. even though it's the, the distant past. Yeah, and all that stuff. <laughs> well, no, I agree with that. Like, because it honestly, yeah, it kind of has that that sound you get when you hear like the a hovering droid almost, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's almost bubbly. But yeah, it it has. That futuristic sound to it, that feel. I agree with that wholeheartedly. My sound would be the sound of, um, oh, Tonda Baba whenever he loses his arm. Sure. Because it's just like, he's just already like making weird aggressive sounds as it is. Like mm. he sounds like he's trying to breathe through like, I don't even know, like a steak. <laughs> like he's holding like a piece of meat in front of his mouth and trying yeah. to speak through it. That's uh-huh. what he sounds like. And all of a sudden he loses his arm. And it's just this huge whale. And on top of that, this is the first time you saw a, you know, a, a arm being removed by a lightsaber. And it wasn't cauterized. Yes. This was long before that it was yeah. even a thing. It's probably just because Obi-Wan's lightsaber was on like a low charge or something. Or so. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he was being a little neglectful in his later years, which is partially why the uh, initial lightsaber duel between him and vader is like lack. a little uh, suboptimal <laughs> all right final question uh favorite line oh man <laughs> my favorite line is uh oh man the uh don't try and scare us with your cheap sorcery darth vader or whatever the, whatever that guy says yeah your, your old ways but, yeah the guy who gets choked, but then... Writes a report about it. Yes. <laughs> but then uh, Tarkin, for whatever reason, is able to command Vader to release him. Ooh. As you wish. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I think my... Just... The problem with so much is uh, of like the original trilogy is just that... The lines that I am always the most drawn to are like almost always like Han and Leia banter. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me, your worshipfulness, like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, or like, no reward is worth this uh, aggravation or whatever you said. <laughs> can't tell. Yeah, it's like no, no reward is worth all this. Or something yeah. Like that. Uh, 
And, and like, and even like Leia's retort to that, like, if if money is all you wish, want, then money is what you will receive. Someone get this walking carpet out of my way. Yeah. Leia, <laughs> Leia and her xenophobia, which we've talked about before. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, but it's like it's just all of those different kinds of little quirky interplays. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I actually, uh, well, we talked about this in the last episode, um, where you know George Lucas. I love everything that he has done. I mean, without him, there'd be no Star Wars. Yes. Uh, you know, but I certainly think that I enjoy the movies that he doesn't direct more. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I read in some of my research ahead of this one is that seemingly unlike in the prequels where, uh, you know, he was kind of like, no, read what I wrote. Like, this, this is what it is. You know, that's all there is to it. Uh, like... You know, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher all really were just like, like, well, I mean, obviously the, the one Harrison Ford quote that's very uh, famous is that you can, write this. you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of edited it. Yeah, it's a little more swirly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, but so those characters were like, okay, well, we're just going to, we're going to take the spirit of what you said or of what you wrote. But we're gonna say it in a way that actually makes sense to us. Yeah, kind of make it come out like <laughs> I don't know, in a literary way. Yeah, in a in a charming and charismatic and like just likable way. More intense, less intense. Yes. <laughs> Faster, <laughs> slower, slower. Yes, exactly. I think so, episode one is definitely like the slower, less intense. Yeah. Like just Queen Amidala. Anytime she opens her mouth. Senator, what's going on? <laughs> it seems like they're blocking our transmission. I guess we're kind of invasion. Like, <laughs> Can only mean one thing: invasion. All right. Uh, so yeah, I I think I hold this up there. It's like I said, the only problem is it looks like it was made in the seventies, but still good time. <laughs> I came back to that because I had a good joke at the beginning, and then I said when it was made, and I was like. Dang it, the joke won't work now because I just said it. So yeah. I was able to come back. It just, just looks like an old movie, man. Yeah, it just looks like... I don't understand why people don't like it so much. It's like it's just stuck in the 70s. Like, you see their mustaches, bro? Yeah. Like, their hair... The sideburns. The sideburns. The freaking bull cuts, bro. That is one thing I can never get behind. Is I like, was like the hairstyle. Th- that the space Nazis just have, like... <laughs> These huge sideburns. Uh, yeah, huge sideburns. They're so like, small, they're averting our turbo laters and our microblades or something. Yeah. Chief Bast is probably the best of all of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just like everyone has that weird style. And like the rebels are like more lenient with it, obviously. Yeah, yeah which it's makes like, sense. They're like kicked back. But like, then like you just have all these different people with beards or like weird hairstyles. And the fact that that had to stick with it because it's like, no, this is this is... It's this is in the galaxy. They did it in Rogue One, and I love that. Yeah, and it was like, yep, that's that's what they look like. That's the galaxy yeah. haircut, it's and that's just Beatles. I mean, cut. it's one of those continuity things that I'll never forgive Lucas for. Like between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, yeah, uh, just in terms of like the complete change in aesthetic and and all of like the hairstyles and physical appearances of all the characters looks so much more you know nineties and early aughts <laughs> as opposed to. 70s. Yeah, it looks a little more believable. The yeah. 70s were just were what they were, man. Yeah. <laughs> but as always, uh, this is a great time. I hope everyone was able to, uh, you know, maybe learn a little bit more about the movie uh, today and really just take something home with it. I learned a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's always fun to watch this. And again, like I said, you know, you you can watch, if you had to watch just one Star Wars movie, this is always the one to go to because, yes. I mean, it's satisfying all the way through. It's a fun thriller. And maybe that'll even convince you to maybe want to watch a little bit more later on. Absolutely. You know, check out the new movies that are coming out yeah. and all the not, other projects. Yeah, notwithstanding the way that we chose to go about, like, reviewing the episodes, please Please, for the love of God, start with Star Wars. Yes. Don't Do not watch episode one if you haven't watched the other Star Wars movies. Can I say something? I know that we're trying to like make it look like we you know, we recorded this, but like, our, we already sold like the new artwork for, or well, the, the new trailer and everything for 
the Rise of Skywalker, right? Uh-huh. Not to get into a breakdown the D23 of that. Trailer, the D23 trailer. The D23 trailer. Because there's yes. probably going to be another trailer by the time this actually comes out. That's true. Okay, <laughs> so we're talking about the D23 trailer. They The first minute and a half of that trailer is just clips from all of the different movies. Uh-huh. You want to know the order they did it in? Four, five, six, one, one two, two, three. three. <laughs> and seven and eight. That's yeah. what I'm saying, dog. If they put it out there like that, you got to follow the rules. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And it's the truth. Andrew said it as much. Follow the rules. Start yeah. with four and then work your way out. Because yeah. it's going to be that much more rewarding once you get there. I don't, I don't know if any person that's listening to this, like our like 38th episode or whatever, yeah. and they're listening an hour into it and they haven't actually watched Star Wars. But still, <laughs> tell our friends, play this as part of the podcast. Get the, get the word out. Share us. You know, it, it, check us out. Greet us out first podcast at Facebook. And Reggie'sHousePodcast.com. All right, seriously, though. Yes. Thank you guys for checking us out. I'm so happy we were able to do this. Uh, again, like and subscribe. Share us with friends and family. Check us out on Facebook at Greedo Shot First Podcast. And also check us out on Reggie'sHousePodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Games and That Podcast, as well as, uh, as, well as the Rust Belt Wristers. And uh, also just on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts right now. Check us out there and anywhere else yeah. that you can find your podcast. Yeah. Give us some new uh, ratings and reviews if you yes. don't mind. We've been a little stagnant there. It's not necessarily helping us reach new vo- you know, new ears, I guess. Yes, We're so, the voices. You're yeah. the ears. But still, yeah, just get the word out and let us know what you think. And like, tell us if we could do more, please. We, we want to we hear what you have to say. We want to know. But uh, as always... I had a great time. Did you have a good time? It was a boring conversation anyway. I bet it was. Yeah.